Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 <coughs> of Teaching Tales, the podcast. 57 Chevy. 57 Chevy, that's right. The podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I am Brent Coley, your host, elementary principal in beautiful and currently rainy Southern California. And joining me today for a repeat visit, one of only a couple people who have been on for multiple episodes, the one, the only, John Carippo. How are you, John? Well, I don't want to say that there was illegal meat that changed hands to get this. (laughs) There may have been some Instagram influencers involved. Hey, it doesn't matter how this happened. The fact that it happened and we are chatting and I'm pumped about it. So I was. And you know, what's cool was the last time we talked, we were basically unknown to each other, right? Corey Orlando kind of blind dated us. And now (laughs) we've we've had like. I'm going to go nine months into our relationship. I, I think I think so. I think so. We had our first. And so I, I feel like it's a good pulse check, right? So like <laughs> last time we were kind of like, kind of like checking each other out, you know, like when you meet a guy and you're like, uh, what's your best, uh, what's your best video game move? Oh, Y, Y, Z, Y. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And so now we can be like, now we can get down to business. There we go. There we go. Yeah. We had our, uh, you were down doing a keynote uh, and we, what was it? The hat, I think. Yes. We, uh, we we met at the hat. Uh, so thank you, Corey, for, for, for putting us together. So I'm, I'm stoked. So for anybody, before we get into our conversation, our, our sharing, swapping of some stories, for anyone who is not familiar with John Carippo, John, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I guess uh, I, I do this different every time I do it, so I don't have a, a shtick. Um, I really hated school and I was kind of a 2.9 all the way through Catholic school, high school and college until I started my advertising major. And I, we started doing hands-on work and everything changed. And then I thought that was really cool. I did a little bit of football coaching at Fresno State as a grad assistant. And I learned a lot about reps and uh, spaced repetitions. And um, that helped me. And then I went on to my career in advertising and did some other things. And my wife's a teacher and she's like, dude, you need to do this. And Mm. so uh, her main motivation was me uh, having vacations off with her. (laughs) And so, and so uh, then I really literally this second or third day of being a long-term sub, I was like, bro, this is what I do. This like, this is like a suit I put on in the morning. And it's kind of funny because for me in school, I was always a non-person. I was the kid that never talked in class. Usually I was outcast uh, on a lot of levels. I wouldn't say full bully bullied, like, you know, I wasn't bullied, but the bullying I got was nobody cared if you were there or not. It was a different kind of bullying. And, um, so it's been very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very therapeutic for yeah. me to go into classrooms and destroy that, which is, I think, a pretty good tie-in for what we're talking yeah, about. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. When we were kind of messaging back and forth about what, what kind of, what do we want to chat about? What kind of stories we want to tell? And school culture was was kind of you said, huh? I, I'm really into school culture. I'm like, me too. Let's talk about that. So, right. um, yeah, because. It is so. I'll start just real quickly. We had it was a PD day for us today. Uh, we're recording this what middle of January. Students come back tomorrow, and we had a keynote, a uh, district wide PD today that focused on relationships and culture with uh, mm-hmm. with our students. Um, Donna Porter and DJ Batiste. Um, 
I don't know if you've ever heard, heard them. We, I heard them at an equity conference that I went to back in September. Amazing. Literally one of the best keynotes that I've ever heard. It's a, it's a former high school teacher and one of her former students who literally share the story of first day of school. This is a student who, who uh, had, a lot, had, a, had a lot of baggage coming in, was, was, was that kid, in his words, when you right. see my name on the roster, the teacher's like, oh my gosh, like I'm, yeah. I, I, I want to quit type thing. And they just talked about how she, <coughs> she, connect, she connected with him and she right. believed she didn't do what every other adult in his life had be saved for his family had done to him and just just incredible so i thought this is perfect i'm gonna have that today and then i'm gonna talk with john tonight about school culture so i mean let me throw it to you i mean what you mentioned like you're growing up how that the the form of bullying was like the lack of attention the the invisibility bullying well, this is like a, um, an example in, that I share in a, in a book that Corey and I are working on right now where um, I'm in second grade and we're at a Catholic school, so we don't have a bus. So it's a car field trip, right? Hmm. Guess, who gets, guess who gets put in the nun car? <laughs> I'm going to say John Carippo. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I'm in there with the, a couple of miscreants. And as we're driving, I remember this very clearly, Brent. Um, we're driving along, and 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 they're talking about me and short stuff this and short stuff that. And uh, one of the nun, the nun turns around and goes, "Why don't you call him by his name?" And they said, "We don't know his name." Uh. So, like, probably the only way you could have made that worse is what they just did, right? Like, that's that's probably we don't even we and this is like. March. We've been in the same room with 30 kids for six months. They didn't know his name. And they didn't know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, And they don't care to know my name. Right. So I'm, I'm a non-person at that point. And so um, I, I literally have two high school yearbooks where I lined up and got my yearbook and then walked home. Wow. My yearbooks are virginal. There's there's literally not a trace. They're perfect condition. Wow, and I was okay with it at the time, but that that there's a point where you go, "What the frick, dude?" Yeah, look at looking back, it's like, and and, and boy, from from the the teacher's perspective, there, it's like, <laughs> well, and then let me tell you how far I've come, right? So, in my classroom, I decided everybody needs to be infamous, like everybody's got to have a thing, mm-hmm. like when you watch a show like Saved by the Bell or Welcome Back, Cotter, everybody's yeah. got a shtick, right? So my yeah. goal was. And I would love to tell you it was a big plan, uh, but I started just giving everybody a shtick, and everybody had something. And it was amazing when everybody had a thing. So I didn't want to make them all famous, but making them all infamous, mm-hmm. that was a thing. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned just I'm very big on the power of a name. I mean, like like you said, and it's it's so funny that when you were when you were telling that story there. You inserted because I'm writing on this. I've written on this topic as well. You inserted my name as you told that story, mm-hmm. just because it you, brings it personalizes. You threw you threw the word Brent mm-hmm. in there, and as yeah. you said that, it's like, oh, he's talking to me, even though exactly. I know you're talking to me. It's right. still well, some about that. And so now here's where I'm going to get super meta on you. Okay, so that those are both little micro things, right? That's five seconds of my life in second grade, or you know, one little comment, but. 
then I started as I moved through my teaching career, and you you've probably seen me mention this guy on uh, on Twitter at least a couple times. Every single teacher on the planet should read "Dumbing Us Down" by John Taylor Gatto because yeah. we do not understand the very DNA of our of our profession, and the DNA of our profession was built to sort children into groups of kids that were going to succeed and kids that were not going to succeed. It was to sort it into the haves and have nots. John Taylor Gatto got me thinking that way. Okay. If you don't like reading books, um, most likely to succeed does a good job in a video. Um, but it talks about that the American school system led by Horace Mann mm -hmm. was a militarized model by the Prussians. Hmm. And unfortunately, in if you remember the movie Platoon, there's like the two sergeants. Mm -hmm. And and in this battle, Horace Mann won because he got the funding from J.P. Morgan and Henry Ford. Because only about 6% of our high, our high uh, let me reframe that. Only about 6% of adults were graduating high school at that point. I'm not crying out of a sore throat. <laughs> <laughs> um and by using Horace Mann's techniques, they got us right up to 80% in a few years. Mm. But what happened was all of John Dewey's knowledge got lost and run over, which I think is funny because when you're in teaching school, they talk about John Dewey a lot. Yeah. And then when, when you get to school, they say, you can't do that. And so you have to go back that far to understand the DNA of why people are telling us that we can't do certain things. Hmm. And then that really got uh, demystified by uh, Todd Rose for me. He wrote a book called The End of Average uh, Book Credit, Bill Selleck, Best Books Ever. Um, <laughs> Bill uh, showed me this book, and really it talks about the idea of eugenics, which do you know what eugenics is? I've it's, heard of it, but not, not familiar uh, with that, it. That was a thing that the Nazis perfected, um, predicting how people will act based on the shape of their face. Wow predicting their intelligence based on the size of their ears or nose. Okay. It's nuts. That was the same mindset that built school as we know it, bro. Mm. And that's why you've heard the phrase, fare thee well, right? How many of us know a story of somebody who got told in school, I got nothing for you and turned out to be rich, okay? Yeah. Uh, my Uncle Tom in Kalinga, which was not exactly a hotbed of technology in 1956, he got told, with my grandma sitting right next to him, uh, well, the world needs ditch diggers too. And I think that's what your job's gonna be. Mm. He ended up retiring from IBM as a vice president. <laughs> and so the basically the idea by, that Todd Rose is, we have no business telling people yeah. what their future portends. That's not our job. Yeah. And I like the quote, is it uh, C.S. Lewis, it's easier to build uh, uh, healthy children then then to try to adult, save broken, yeah. broken adults yeah and that's what i think is really missing and I, I know this will resonate with you but our school is our school system is completely devoid of empathy on a on a institutional system yeah and the the bell curve mindset allows us to do that because you'll hear teachers say things like this i gave them plenty of time yeah if they'd only done their homework yeah if they'd have lost their notes, and basically what they're saying right there is a form of eugenics. I'm saying, I want to be really clear, I'm not trying to insult people, a form of. Yeah. But basically, you're leaving people to their own devices and saying, you don't aspire to participate in my system, so fare thee well. Mm. And I don't think, now this is where it really comes together for me. 
I don't think that builds us a very good country. That's the problem. Mm. See, there was a time when you could go to school and kind of ignore it, Huck Finn, right? In the 50s and 60s. Yeah. You kind of ignore it. And then I go to the military or become a painter. We don't live in that world anymore. Mm -hmm. The world nowadays is incredibly complicated. And we're, we're graduating kids that have no idea what to do after the last day of high school. Do you remember the LA Unified debacle from a couple of years ago? The uh, iPad? The, no, the, no, that's the one everybody <laughs> kept. That was a debacle. That one but too? Let me, tell you, let me tell you a scarier one. I, I'm going off of John Carippo's Mark One brain here. So if somebody fact checks us, I'm for, forgive me. Um, but the way I remember it is um, LA Unified uh, decided, uh, their board decided, Every student that graduates from LA Unified will be college ready. Hmm. They, they, and you know what happened three or four years later? In January, 60% of their kids, six zero, were not going to graduate. Wow. As seniors, bro. Six. So they had to go in and pass. They had to go in and pass a board amendment to get rid of Algebra 2 and one other class and accept Ds. And now their graduation rate went back to 90%. Now, I know there's a group of people saying, oh, great, John, you're advocating for lower the bar. No, I'm advocating for not pay, making people do stuff they're not interested in. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not saying these are okay. What I'm saying is pointing at kids and saying you're a loser if you get a D is not okay. That's right. what I'm saying. So this is really just the buildup for our whole conversation today, which is yeah. the DNA of school is it's okay to say those kids won't work. Those kids are bad actors. Dude, my job is to turn them into healthy adults. That's my job. Yeah. And they're never going to grow up in their 40 and say, oh, Crippo taught me conjunctions. Yeah. We are so focused on academics that we have completely let the human child go yeah. in the conversation. I will step off my soapbox now, Brett. No, that's beautiful. That what you just said reminded me of of the of the talk that that I heard today with with the, the teacher Donna Porter and her former student DJ is she recognized on the first day of school when he walked into class and was incredibly disrespectful, larger than life, all of that coming just from act, bro. Just yep, coming coming from reform school and rather than doing what everybody else did, she says, and they basically, they reenact their, their, their interaction on that first day. But she, she recognized and she told, she's like, I could see a man with a persona, with a personality, with right. charisma, did, a leader. Exactly. And what, and what she did was, was she, she gave him a job right off the bat. She says, I'm going to give you a job. Uh, I want you to be my my greeter because he had walked in late. She says, I want you to be my greeter and I want you to, I'm going to give you, I want you to be the first person that everybody sees when they come to class every day, but you got to be here on time. And on top of that, every day to start class, I'm going to give you three or four minutes to stand yeah. up at the front of the room. And let us have it. And, and, and just it, the floor is yours. Right. And, and, and he talks about how he, first he's looking like this lady's crazy. But then he says, what, what this lady has. Well, I'm imagining about three weeks in, there's only two things that are happening, right? He's either, he's either singing these Shakespearean level things to them, or he walks in and goes, I got nothing. Can no, I just sit down? No, <laughs> it, the, the beauty was the next day, 
she she is thinking like, is he going to come to class? What? And she hears him coming down the hallway, pushing freshmen out of the way, pushing them in the lockers. And she's thinking, oh my gosh, oh no, no. But then she hears she hears him say, "Get out of the way. I got a job to do." Mm-hmm. And he is standing up on that stage on this keynote address this morning, standing next to his teacher, who he now travels the world with, right? Encouraging. Right. Teachers, administrators, educators all over the world. But here's the problem. That story is all too common if you're a good listener. I've got a student who's not not that guy, but uh, his QM folder came with a note that said, he doesn't meet graduate requirements. We don't want him back. uh, Love the seventh grade teachers. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it is all too common. That kid right now makes 300,000 a year. Easy. Yeah. 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 It, it, but to him, they felt like they had the moral aptitude to say he was a bad person because he didn't want to do their worksheets. And I would argue that he's just an aficionado who chooses to not do worksheets. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, it was such a powerful story of when you, when you look beyond what you see on the surface, one of her quotes was they're not, if a student is acting out or something like that, they're doing it in front of you and not to you. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, every kid there's has a, a group. Th- of, yeah, there's so. a group of educators, and whether it's conscious or unconscious, but they, they have decided that their job is to tell people what to do. Yeah. And I, I'm going to quote a little Steve Jobs here. Uh, you know, a great leader helps people want to do what they need to do. Right. And a great manager makes people do stuff. So I could be a great manager and make you do stuff. Yeah. But if you hate it and you hate me, that's not really the way to get her done. You'll stop as soon as that, that person will stop as soon as you leave the room, you right. leave the organization. Yeah. Yet if you if you lead them, hey, they're just appeasing the dragon. Exactly. They're not they're not really crafting anything. They're not making themselves a better person. Yeah. So a little bit more about why that doesn't work anymore is the kids are walking out into a world where they've got to have an entrepreneurial mindset. And I need you to hear, I need you to really process that for your listeners is when I say that they're like, Oh, of course they could go start a business. That's not what I said. Entrepreneurial mindset Mindset. is I train myself Hmm. for whatever job I'm working on, Hmm. because the job I'm working on now is just a precursor to my next job, which I don't even know what it is, which may not even exist. Currently. Which may not even exist yet. Yeah. yeah. And and that's all too common. But uh, the idea that uh, I know all this stuff in chapter 20 and I have this certificate, that dude, that ain't going to get you very much. And that's why when I watch high school programs, as much as I like a good CTE program, when all they do is say, we're going to get 30 certificates, dude, how's that different than Smarter Balance? Yeah. yeah. How is it different? Where is the passion? Where is the excitement? I've taught film at the high school level. If you do what the CTE folks want you to do, there's a Peach Pit Final Cut Pro book that's probably four inches thick, and you just do activity, activity, activity. I'm like, dude, I didn't sign up for this video class to teach it like a a classic by-the-book teacher. And what I did was I took the wheels off of it, and we got way more work done. And the kids were way more capable because they were used to doing the work themselves. Mm-hmm. And that transcends any video class, right? Yeah. 
It's the, criti- they they the, the critical thinking skills that, yeah. that, rather than the facts. Right. Well, and it was great because uh, we sent uh, one of the early groups to a film camp. There was a, we had a kind of an angel investor in our new high school and they, they lined us up with a film school down in Southern California. So we sent like, we had a big contest. We had a film festival to see who's going to go to the thing. Cause that's how I roll. Nice. It's not an A, it's not an A or a B. It's like, dude, everybody make videos and the most likes gets to go on the trip. And it was so funny because the kids are doing like reply alls to the whole school, like making a Google form. Uh, if you if you vote for my video, I won't hurt this cat in the box. Trust me, there's a cat in the box. And and so those kids go down and they, they go to this film school, right? Where people are used to working on Final Cut big time. And they said, well, you know, we're gonna try to get you as far as we can and we're gonna try to help you out. Uh, you know, but this is really hard. And one of them looked at him and said, we're Minarets kids. We already know Can't how to do scare that. scare us with that business. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, one of the tasks was to put in one explosion, you know, one green screen explosion. They put in like 14. They're like, whoa, you guys are good. Hey, bro, we're Minarets kids. And we didn't sit around and tell them when you go there, show off or be cool. That's just That was just a natural swagger that came from, from living that way. Um, I wish on Smarter Balance there was a box that said empathy. Mm-hmm. How about that on... We, we are not training people for empathy, and then we are surprised that we have a culture that is full of anarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and here's the good news. When I watch the world, I don't see a disaster. I see, I see so many good things. I, I would take the kids nowadays compared to the kids of the 70s, dude, all day long. They're much more smart. They're much more sophisticated. They're more agile. They have a lot more social sensitivity. Um, but my, my worry is that we're not enhancing that. That's what they're getting outside of school. People say, kids have too much screen time. Well, my daughter, my younger daughter, she, uh, she's on an Instagram with her cousin. Her cousin lives about 35 miles away. If this was 1950, she would see her cousin when? Thanksgiving? Yeah. If that. Easter? Yeah. <laughs> Easter. And maybe one trip, and then they might get to talk on the phone once. Dude, they talk four times a day. Yeah. She has a much stronger relationship with her family and her friends because of that outreach and what school doing to enhance that you can't have these and let's talk culture i have a friend who will remain nameless but his name is ryan o'donnell and he (laughs) teaches at a a fine fine school in the northern california area which will remain unnamed and um that school district said you kids you kids are going to turn in your phones every period and they bought the teacher a little cozy thing to put all the phones in. Mm. And one day Ryan looked over and he noticed all the phones were flip phones. <laughs> the kids are buying burner phones. They're, they're getting burner phones. I think he, I think yeah. he, I've heard him say that. Yeah. Yeah. They're buying burner phones. Dude, you can't stop kids. Yeah. You're crazy. You are crazy. Leverage, leverage it. Don't, don't try to yeah. fight it. Leverage it. Right. Like you've got where's, a tool like that. I'm, Right. And I'm not going to tell you it was perfect, but at our high school, we just had one rule that was displayed in every classroom. Ask first. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you ask first, we are going to have a problem. Yeah. If, yeah. if you don't ask first, we're going to have a problem. It's that yeah. simple. And yeah. if you say, hey, hey, Mr. Coley, can I send a picture of this sweet video clip to Instagram? Yeah. Well, yeah. duh. Yeah, because if, if what they're holding in their hand is the best tool for the job at that point, to deny that is, it's, 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 but it, it all comes down to, for me, like for me at the elementary level, so much of it, it's, it's that supervision. Right. To just say, well, just, yeah, you can eat, but not to watch really okay. what, I mean, 
you still got to supervise it. You got to be making sure they are being appropriate. You got to train them young so that when right. they get to minarets, they've already built those habits, right. those, and they're ready to go. Well, how about this? Um, uh, you've seen, if you're an elementary person, and I had 10 years in elementary, you've seen any number of variations of class rules. Mm -hmm. Class rules. And my favorite dirty trick is, these are the rules the kids helped me make. They did not. I'm going to go back to John Taylor Gatto. They were telling you what you wanted to hear. Okay. They know how to play the game of school. None of the kids goes, oh, we should wipe our feet. They're not thinking about that. <laughs> we should line up quietly with our hands at our side. And the teacher's like, oh, yes, that's great. The, nobody's coming up with that. So I tried an experiment based on some reading I was doing out of school on, uh, you know, flat management and leadership. And um, uh, it was in a Tom Peters book, the, the, the Nordstrom's rule. You know, the Nordstrom's, they have an employee handbook, but they have one rule. Do the right thing at the right time. Hmm. So I said, well, I live in beta. I'll try that out. That's going to be my class rule. I'm going to explain to the kids. Right thing, right time. Right time. That's the only rule. And they're like, but what? Yeah. You, everything you, can go there. <laughs> everything, everything is under that. And what I found out over the next couple of weeks was just straight magic, which was... Um, Instead of me telling kids you broke rule 15 point B, right. right. I would say this. No, I would say this. Is that what you're supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. And they would say at least half the time, yes, and here's why. Ah, uh, there you go. Dude, that's a really different interchange. Sure. Absolutely. And, and things started like this started happening. Um, uh, hey, Cribbo, can we flip our desk over? Come at me, bro. What's yeah. happening over there? Well, we need to make a video, and we figured if we flipped it over, we can make this into a castle-looking thing. We just need some paper. Go for we'll it. proceed. Yep. Thanks for yep. asking first. And what yep. happened in those classrooms where I did that was executive function went off the off the charts. Mm -hmm. And I could take my kids anywhere, and they were chill. In fact, uh, we were <laughs> we were going on a field trip to the mountains, and we stopped through a town, and there were some kids on a trampoline. And my kids in the bus were looking over at the kids at the trampoline. And my whole bus went, ooh! Like, I was going to get off the bus, and that kid was going to be in trouble because he flipped us off. My oh. class's reaction was, bro, Crippo is going to come over there and talk to you, and it's, it's not going to go good. I'm like, you guys, he's not in my school. Let him do his thing. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not one of us. And yeah. uh, I think modeling, and, you know, when you talk about SEL, SEL doesn't work if you put kids in a pressure cooker six hours a day and then three times a year have an assembly that say, oh, you should be you should be distressed and you should be mindful. Dude, that makes no sense because you're putting them right back in the pressure cooker 20 minutes after the after the thing. You've got to change the way the school works. Uh, PBIS. It is not just giving kids referral with a sticker on it that says we love you. Yeah, it's a totally different approach to raising human children. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you one more analogy, football coaching. Okay. The perspective of a lot of people, the cliche is that football coaches are dumb or thick headed or intractable or inflexible or whatever. In 1985, my head football coach was 60 years old in 1985. Okay. And one of the days, one of the guys showed up with a wacky haircut, which was not nearly as wacky in 1985. <laughs> And one of our coaches started chewing him out. And um, my coach said, you guys, it's just protein. I'm not going to judge a guy on how he plays. 
based on his hair. Can we get back to football? And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Now, this is from a guy who will tell you his, his father was a hard rock miner in Montana. This was a tough, bitten yeah. dude. Yeah. But you know what he knew? You know what he knew? People want to play football for the fun coach. Sure. I guarantee you inside, he was thinking, I want to shave that thing off. <laughs> I guarantee you inside. Yeah. But to him, the more important thing was, what's my relationship with one of my star players? Yep. 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 Right. And if you watch football coaches that are the best ones, they typically have that. If you, a guy yep. named Swinney, guy named Swinney. Mm -hmm. Yep. Who looks fun. Yeah. Dude looks fun. He yeah. tells his team, I want to go, I want you guys to go out and have fun tonight. Play like you can play. Don't yeah. worry about me. Worry about just having a good day, playing the game. Yeah. And it's a totally different approach than, frankly, Nick Saban looks a little angry on the sideline. Uh, I, oh no! I, and I agree. Again, it comes down to the: Are you doing it because you don't want to get in trouble, or are you doing it because you want to have fun? Are you doing it because you want to please? Like, because sometimes, like when you're having fun and people are building relationships, you want to you want to do the right thing. You want to do well for yourself, but also you want to do well because you want to show that coach, or that teacher, or whatever. Hey, you want you want to please them. And well, if I may. Uh, this is another epiphany I had. Why is it that we don't teach kids what self-actualization is? Hmm. I remember in a college class going, wait a minute. So me wanting to do the right thing for no reason at all, other than the fact that I'll know it's the right thing, that's a thing? Yeah. I always thought that was me being weak or we, me being too – no, that's an actual thing. Yeah. Doing the right thing for your own satisfaction. Reading the book because you want to, not for a pencil. That was for you, Corey. Um, doing the math because you like math, not to get into a certain school, right? What's going to serve you more outside of school? Yeah. Working for working for peanuts or uh, and gratification or working for the thing you love doing? Absolutely. Abs that intrinsic that intrinsic motivation of I mean students used to when I was in the classroom very often kids would say what do I get like if we're playing a game or whatever it was what do I get if I win what do I get if I do this and so often the answer was <laughs> satisfaction you know what my version of that was <laughs> I would I would uh, so, and this is another subtlety of my classroom leadership style. I have a phased-in approach. So, like, especially with the sixth graders, they came to me with six years, counting kindergarten, of the old system. So I began an aggressive weaning-off process. <laughs> and the weaning-off process looks like this. I gave them more licorice opportunities and more bathroom passes and more homework passes than they could process. Like, none of the games... Because in the other scenario, if my whole year game is going to be based on these points, I mm. can't give it away too early, right? I would burn that whole game out in three weeks. <laughs> and then at some point when they were good at doing the thing and I'd given away two buckets of Costco licorice, what's that cost me, 11 bucks? Yeah. Um, at some point I would say, you ready for this? You know how to do this. I ain't raising squirrels. Just go <laughs> do the work. Yeah. I'm not going to feed you every time the work is right. Yeah. I just needed to get you from here to there. I needed to feed you to get you to practice. Yeah. But now that you've practiced, you don't need this anymore. You do the work because you know how to do the work. Yeah. I used to tell my students oftentimes, like, I got good news and bad news for you guys. The good news is you just showed me you can do this. 
And the bad news for some exactly. of you is you just showed me you can do this. So now uh -huh. you have no excuse. It's like, let's that's, go. That's part of that's part of what I kind of do with magic uh, with the magic of edge protocols is I'm going to give everybody an A in seven minutes if you'll just do these nine things. And then the next day I do it again and the next day I do it again. And then at some point I go, I'm just going to shut up and let you guys do this because you know what to do. Mm -hmm. which is very much not okay with the you're a bad person mentality. Yeah. And um, uh, there is a certain book, I'm not going to mention the author's name like I did to Ryan, uh, but it's called The First Days of School, maybe. <laughs> and I got taught that book, and it, it's a good book, but here's the problem. One of the underlying underpinnings of the book is the procedure is more important than the child. Yeah. You will lose on that deal every time. Absolutely. So I, I think 90 to 95% of that book is spot on. Yeah. But it's all about slavery to the procedure. Yeah. If you put, if you put the rules over relationships, you lose every so single time. As, as much as there is some, a lot of good in that book, the, the irreparable damages that I can look you in the eye as a six year old or seven year old and say, you don't get to cry about this because the procedure is more important. Mm -hmm. And all I'm doing is train you to work at a place where the boss will tell you when to clock in and when to clock out. And that's not the job the kids are going to. Yeah. Yeah. Another no, analogy. Another analogy would be this. You, you hear people say, oh, these millennials, they don't want to work. They don't want to work like you did because you were stupid. There's a difference. <laughs> and here's my example. If I go to my dad and take away his remote... He's not happy. <laughs> he has no idea how to run that TV without the remote. And he, he won't do like the old days because in the old days, we only had three channels and you had two cowboy movies and um, some kind of uh, soap opera. So you would pick the least bad cowboy movie and suck it up uh -huh. because that's what it was. Well, my dad knows, knows there's 400 channels. He's like, why are we watching this? And you take away his remote. Yeah. He ain't cool with that. Right. So to me, it's the same thing has happened with, with students is they know there's a remote. Mm. They're not going to play the game we used to. Other examples, when I was little and you would get hurt in a football game, you could hear parents yelling, walk it off. Yeah. Rub some can dirt on it, walk it off. Yeah. Can you imagine that now? Mm. People would call CPS on you, yeah. right? <laughs> but my best one of all is... They used to tell us, for anybody that's under the age of, say, I'm going to say under the age of 30, this would be mind-blowing. They used to tell us, don't drink water, you'll cramp. <laughs> now, what do they say? If you don't drink water, you're cramp. <laughs> Hydrate. Yep. Hydrate. So back to my football coach, who's 60 years old, who grew up in a world that said two things. One is, walk it off. Yeah. The second one is don't drink water, you'll cramp. He had water stations installed all over the field, so you didn't even have to stop practicing to take water. We stopped doing water breaks altogether. He told the team, I'm not going to stop for 10 minutes. You get water whenever you want, bro. You need this it. is a six-year-old guy in 1985. He knew that that was the way to get best performance because he knew that when the players' clocks in their heads knew that it was getting close to water time, we all started getting whiny. Yeah. And we started getting – he's like, boom, took it off the table took it off the table. And then he taught us about injuries. He had a very clear essence on the injury because every head coach wants you to play, right? He wants the best players to play. He said, you guys need to be able to tell me the difference between pain and injury. Mm -hmm. If you have pain, you need to shut up because every great player is going to play with pain. Yeah. If something is injured, 
you need to let me know right away. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. But we lack anything like that in school other than pockets of teachers who've chosen to buck, quote, the system. Yeah. It's it's empowering. Going back to your water, the watering oh, station yeah. thing. And, and I'm I'm taking that and relating to like bathrooms, bathroom breaks or something. It's like the water station, he empowered his player, he empowered right. you, empowered the other players. And and they knew if I abuse this, it, it ain't gonna work. And he I mean Well, and so my variation in class was with our sixth graders, we every every grading period we gave them four bathroom passes. You can use them anytime you want, sight unseen. Hmm. All right. And guess what happened? At the end of every quarter, there were five or six kids that had 20 bathroom passes because they had been trading. And there was other kids who were out of bathroom passes in two days. And I was like, bro, you gotta learn how to spend your money. You can't yeah. use all the bathroom passes in two days. And then I had kids that would say, I'll give him one of mine. And I'd say, have a great day, bro. I'm not here to interrupt your economic flow. I love it. You want to give him a bathroom pass? I think that's pretty cool. I'm going to give you a bathroom pass for giving that guy a bathroom pass because yeah. he didn't have any bathroom passes. And I think that's pretty cool. That's how you build a classroom culture. You yeah. don't build classroom culture with score high, get a blue star. Score higher, get a gold star. That ain't how you do it, man. Because the reality of it is, is the way that most of us teach right now, there, it, there is going to be a bell curve. Mm -hmm. The bell curve is the result of bad initial instruction. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a college teacher friend who said, oh, these kids from high school, they're horrible. Their English skills are disaster. But we fix them. I go, oh, you fix them? <laughs> really? I need to hear about this matching method. Oh, Yes. We put them in a three-week intensive class, and they come out good to go. And I'm like, would you please share that with every fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, yeah. eleventh, twelfth grade teacher? Because in three weeks, you're fixing eleven years of failure. Yeah. I yeah. think maybe you're just pumping them up for the test. I don't think you're rehabbing yeah. them in three weeks. I, yeah. I don't think that's logical. Yeah, and unfortunately, go, using the college thing, there is how often do we hear that? I got to prep them for college. I mean, that the, the, the oh, argument yeah. that, that I need to give them bad instruction, bad pedagogy, all this, because that's what they're going to get in college, the, the, the lecture and stuff. like. Well, that's what they're going to get, so i got to get them ready for that. They can adapt up. Trust me on this. <clears throat> you don't need 20 weeks of bad homework uh, to be able to um, figure out how to do homework. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly don't need five years of homework to figure out. And, and really, to me, that's just what I like to call a um, – I would like to call that a form of um, uh, blackmail style teaching, which is, hey, it's not my fault, man. Yeah. Next year is going to be so scary and horrific. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just can't help you with that. So I need to be terrifying right now. Yeah. So that I can get that's that's a pretty low bar. No, I I I agree with you. I agree with you on that. So uh, it's like, yeah, it, <laughs> I've got them right now for 180 days. It's my responsibility to to give them the best instruction, to build those relationships, do everything right now to, if it's going to be so bad, let me get them ready in the right way. Not, you're going to be served food that tastes terrible. So I need to get you used to the taste now by feeding you right. terrible food. Uh, uh No, let's, I mean, teach them how to make their own food, teach them how to, emp to empower them so that they can make the best of what unfortunately may be a less than stellar situation as they get older and move up in the college or whatever ranks. So, yeah. Uh, let me tell you how I address that a little bit though. Um, 
I live in a small town, and so it's very likely that I'll see my students. And to this day, I'm still seeing kids from my fifth grade class from 1998. You know, <laughs> hey, Brandon, what's going on? Which is great. But I used to see them in the grocery store, and they would do that eyes down thing and kind of shuffle away. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's not what I want to do. So what we did was, and this is in the book, uh, in Edge of Protocols, we did a smart start. and But we did it at the end of the year. And so what we would do would be um, the last the second week of school. So I'm going to give this to your teachers. You, you don't have to blame it on yourself. It's not your idea. It's my <laughs> idea. The, the second to last week of school, and, and let's just be honest, not all teachers, but a lot of teachers, those last two weeks are very amorphous. Okay. There could be a lot of videos. <laughs> could be. Yes. Yes. That's not everybody. That's yeah. not everybody, but that kind of weird gap is very likely. So I had this idea. And what, what I talked to my grade level groups into, and this is just as a sixth grade teacher, I'm not an admin or anything. Sixth grade went to seventh grade for three mornings. Hmm. Seventh grade went to eighth grade for three mornings. And then somebody said, well, where does eighth grade go? Eighth grade went to kindergarten to show them what they do. Because hmm. their kindergarten teachers had not seen them in hmm. eight years. Yeah. Okay. So what we did was we built three nine to noon mornings so we made sure there was a recess in there okay and basically we did the exact same thing we were going to do first quarter so with my fifth graders coming into my sixth grade i set them up for a quick little essay doing some latin roots a little math example a little history example and we did school sure. for the last three days of the second to last week from nine to noon and like a little we did little things like there was homework you ready the homework you need to take this cartoon home and get your mom and one other person to sign it. If you bring it all back, we'll do extra PE tomorrow. <laughs> Day two, I need you to tell your mom this thing that you learned today. If everybody will get this signed and bring it back tomorrow, you get extra PE tomorrow because extra recess is illegal. <laughs> um, and then on day three, I would, I would say, now, when we get back next year, I know that you can take stuff home. There and bring go. it back. Let's not play that game. I got good news and bad news for you. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. It's a great scam. And so they would do little small versions of everything. Boom, boom, boom. And we would give immediate feedback. And we'd say, you know what? I can't wait to work with you next year. You seem like a barrel of monkeys. And then now, when I saw kids out. in the groceries, when I saw kids in the grocery store over the summer, hey, yo, Grippo, I'm coming. I'm coming for you next year. It's going to be awesome. Totally different affect. You want to yeah. talk about SEL? That's the kind of stuff you've got to do to get kids unafraid of next year because Absolutely. they've been trained that I'm going to be mean to you because of next year. So I was like, hey, if that's where we're going, I'm going to go ahead and fix that. I'm going yeah. to make next year not mean. And my friend uh, Jared Pierce, he coined the phrase for that. Uh, now it's called because it's smart start at the beginning of the year. If you do it at the end of the year, fantastic finish. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you could even have like a little Olympics between the different grade levels, right? I mean, there's all these fun things you could do. That's and I got that. I got there from one of my principals because he was really pissed one time because all the teachers were doing countdown calendars. Oh. And he's like, I'm, you guys. Oh, not a fan. Not a when fan. When you tell the army the war is over, they go home. Yeah. When you tell, And so he said, I would encourage you all because he was this really kind of classic. You know, he'd wear his tie every day like the classic. And he was like, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I would encourage you to take the tactic of in, in, encouraging the students to wind up the year, not to wind down the year. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. 
but right why don't we go up tempo let's start looking at next year and then yeah. i had one of the upper grade teachers come to me and go john i don't you know i like this idea but if i give them my stuff the last three days of school what will i do the first three days of school and i go dude same stuff mm -hmm. do it again yeah get more a's they'll say things like i know what i'm doing i've seen this before I got an A. All the things you want to hear the rest of the year, you can start the year with that. You don't have to have different stuff. Building, set, setting them up for success, for success to start it. And yeah. What a great way to lower. I mean, think about how many kids don't sleep the night before school because right. they're freaked oh. out. But if they say, when we started, I've already seen that classroom. I've already talked to yeah. that teacher. I've I already seen that guy. Yeah. I know yeah. that if I bring him a burrito, he'll tell more jokes, right? Um, <laughs> We had two or three kids at Minarets that were ambulatory. They were literally hospitalized for stress. And I was like, I'm not going to build that machine. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have kids that freaked out. They weren't freaked out because of us. They were freaked out because of watching their older siblings at other high schools. Mm. And guess what? Both of them graduated college. Mm. Awesome. So, yeah, you can start the first week of school in a literally in a ball in the principal's office because you're terrified yeah somebody can coach you through that yeah or i could have said you're a bad person you're an outlier i don't know what to do with you the world needs ditch diggers too you're crazy mm -hmm. and i'm i'm just not okay with doing that gosh dang john this is good stuff man <laughs> i'm looking at the clock it's like oh my gosh we've been talking for like isn't it <laughs> Isn't that funny how when you're jamming the clock this unwinds? Is, this is this is this is this is good stuff. But uh, man, thank you. I'm I, I'm just jotting a bunch of notes that, and I love that fantastic finish. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Uh, I if am, you want me to help plan it out, but basically, uh, all, all you do is you go to your teachers and you go, look, the first four or five things you do in the year that are light duty academics, like write me the best paragraph you've got on why you need a new puppy. Okay, yeah. uh, read. Read this thing about geography and tell me three themes you notice, right? So you're setting the stage. Yeah. Uh, hell, do math facts. It's fine. At least you find out they don't know the sevens, right? <laughs> um, and, and then take a couple of your key things from the fall, roll them through those kids, and then we would flip-flop because I did reading history and the other teacher did uh, math mm -hmm. and science. So this is the other thing your teachers will get hung up on. Oh, they're not going to be in my class. Dude. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to be in seventh grade. Yeah. Even going to be in even if exposing them to the grade and, and i and I, i'm even like brainstorming thinking, even if it was something where you took i'm going to take seven from this class seven from this class and i'm going to get a, i'm going to get a little sprinkling in in every class and then they get you to have talk four about english that. teachers maybe they do one hour with each english teacher exactly exactly or a different day yeah a different day like do, do. monday i'm in a block tuesday i'm in b block you know it's the advantage of that you can co-mingle the classes yeah yeah so there's no more i was always in so-and-so's class and i was always in just yeah. go ahead and mix that puppy up. Mix Gosh. that puppy up. That is that is good stuff. Well, John, thank you, my friend. This is this is really good stuff. And uh, you mentioned Edu Protocol. So before we before we close, let someone know who let someone who's listening know about Edu Protocols. And if they want to get in contact with you, uh, how would they do so? Uh, well, I'm pretty much all over the interwebs. Uh, they can go to edu eduprotocols.com. We've got free examples there. Um, uh, we believe in teachers and we think they can figure out the edge protocols themselves. But I think you'll like this tactic as an administrator. If, if you start doing this kind of stuff at your school and you're seeing that you're working better and you're more productive and some of your other teacher friends are not as willing to get on, Marlena and I will show up and bring our little drum and help everybody get on board. <laughs> um, we're seeing really spectacular success from people like 
literally scores going from 40% right as a class to 90% right as a class between Tuesday and Friday. Wow. Like we're talking major growth, major growth. And it's because we're approaching the act of teaching and learning in a totally different way. And one, again, one of my biggest things is I'm good with the fact that they're going to, the first attempt at a class project is going to be horrific, which is why I make that thing eight minutes long because we're going to do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And after about five reps, guess what? Yeah. Everybody's cool. And I pick up on it on the volume because I've got the kids doing 20 standards at once. Right. So then I'm not just doing like 1.3, 1.4, but I'll uh, just hit me up on Twitter at Jay Carippo. I'll be glad to engage folks. And, um, Thanks for the time. Is that was got to be one of the fastest hours I've had. That, that's the, the definitely, but but good 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 stuff. So I appreciate it. And and for anyone listening, yeah, definitely uh, <coughs> are not already connected uh, with John via Twitter. Uh, great follow. Shares great resources. And the Edge of Protocols book is a is a fantastic resource. At that, I hear we're working on volume two. Book two is written. We just got to go through the editing process and dial it up. It's going to be a more advanced version. So if there's any edgy protocol stands out there, I think we got 10 or 12 new ones, but they're at a little higher level. So nice. like, and again, this is me modeling, right? The first book was you need to be able to read the book and go to your classroom and go, I got this. Yeah. Second round's a little more technical. We start pushing the limits a little bit more. But I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again, John. Appreciate it. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Hope you got something out of this. But as I've said uh, on many previous episodes, even if you didn't, I'm sorry, but I did. So <laughs> even, if nobody, even if nobody listens to this, I got something out of it. So it was worth my time. So John, we podcast thank for ourselves. That's right. That's right. So uh, John, thank you very much. I totally appreciate the time. If I do not chat with you before, I will see you at uh, Q in a couple of months out in Palm Springs. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. If you have not already done so, remember, be sure to subscribe in iTunes, Google Play. We are on Spotify. And if you do like what you hear, please uh, drop a review. Once again, that's not about ego or anything like that, but it does help the word for the podcast get out so more people can find the podcast and hopefully uh, get something out of it as well. So Once again, John, thank you so much for everyone listening. Thank you. And until next time, have a good one.